everyone, and welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. Joining us, we have games editor Mark Kalaroff. It's a meh week for announcements and a good week for releases. I'll buy that. A meh week for announcements, good week for releases. Indie games editor Campbell Gill is also with us. Summer Games Fest, more like Summer Games Rest, because I may as well have <laughs> slept through the whole thing, because it was not exactly exciting. This is A-plus banter, everyone. Let's keep it going. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, obviously, all of us were looking forward to a Nintendo Direct. That did not happen uh, this past week. Uh, so, we're still kind of all hanging hanging tight. There, there will likely be one towards the end of June, if uh, certain sources are to be believed. So, we're going to kind of hang hang tight to that. But in the meantime, we got lots of stuff to talk about. Um, before we get too deep into this, we did want to acknowledge that, like, yeah, of course... Keeley Fest uh, 2022 is, in fact, happening as we speak. Lots of companies are having their showcases. Capcom, Devolver, Bethesda, Microsoft, uh, PlayStation had a thing. Like, there's lots of stuff going on in the game world. Specifically Nintendo-related, I didn't think there was too much worthy of note, unless you gentlemen want to shout out anything in particular. One thing I think that does need to be mentioned is that Sonic Frontiers has kind of had a bit of a redemption over the past few days. Like, mm. I mm. mean, the original IGN trailers <laughs> were dreadful, but True. now that uh, some press has actually gotten to go hands-on with the game uh, at Summer Games Fest and some impressions are coming out, like, yeah, there are some negative impressions, but there's some positive ones in there, too. And right. Sega's released some new B-roll footage to go along with it that looks significantly better than anything IGN showed off. It, so, it just makes the yeah. it makes the decision to have IGN... I mean, listen, mm-hmm. obviously IGN, biggest gaming news site in the world. It's not surprising that they went with them, but it is, it is surprising the footage that they chose to show show yes. is like not <laughs> indicative at all of what the experience could be. Yeah, well, and I want to give a special shout outs to a friend of the show, a former guest and my buddy, The Completionist, for uh, a little segment they did on X-Play uh, showing off some gameplay footage. And he had some very positive things to say about uh, Sonic Frontiers. So I don't know. There's hope yet. Uh, obviously, there's still some time until the game finally comes out. But uh, I've gone from being excited to very underwhelmed to medium whelmed i would say um, <laughs> medium so yeah, rare whelmed yes medium rare whelmed uh thank you for bringing that up campbell uh mark is there anything else that you're that, like you, you had mentioned before we started recording like oh we should probably talk about summer games fest but is there anything you specifically wanted to mention or should we just kind of hold tight for any any nintendo news in the future oh the indies just blew away the show Everyone else was, like, irrelevant for me. Yeah, Day Day of the Devs. Just kept going. Oh, my God, yeah. Devolver, Day of the Devs. Wholesome. uh, Wholesome direct. Oh, my God. 100%. Gorilla Showcase. Yeah, there was, like, anything Microsoft and Bethesda had the show was like, wow, this looks underwhelming. (laughs) Whereas anything indie, like, you know half the stuff on Game Pass is going to be on Switch anyway. Um, it was exciting to to see the indie space. Like, once, once again, indies, I feel like, are winning this... You know, not not like it's about winning and losing, but it it seems as though indie games are stepping up where AAA publishers are kind of flailing around during this tough time to release a video game. Is there anything that you saw that you that might come out on uh, the Switch or or future Nintendo consoles that you were particularly excited about, Mark? Uh, one is out right now that I do want to check out. It's called Lumber Jack. Which looks, it's a, it's a lumberjack, but he's a bear. That one uh-huh. looks really good. Uh, yep. Tinykin, I don't know if that one is going to be PlayStation exclusive. I remember it being uh, 
on their page, but that one looks really good. And then the one uh, Devolver showed off from James Turner, who's the former uh, Pokemon employee. Um, it, it's like the one that's like 2D, 3D, and it like bends the two together. Oh, and like a pop-up yes, so I don't have my, the, the something of, ben, the last case of Benedict something. Are we talking about that one or a different one? Oh, no, no, no that's, a, that's, that's a different uh, one. That one looks really good, too. That though. looks sick as well. But yeah. uh, no, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Something I can't the squirt. Name something. Yeah, squirt I don't is the name in the name. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It started off as a storybook, and then mm-hmm. the characters went off the page and went into the real world. It looks pretty gnarly. Um, the, the plucky squire is what the it's plucky called. squire. The plucky there we go. I just gotta say, the debut trailer for that has to be one of the best indie game trailers I've ever seen, just because of how you it opens up. You think it's one thing, you think it's this cool little storybook game, and then he comes out of the book, and it's just like, yeah. what is this game? <laughs> it looks amazing. I don't know how it'll run on Switch, but you know, it looks promising so far. So we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. It does look promising, but again. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Oh, I think one one more notable thing worth mentioning before we get into our opening topic here, which I'm very excited to talk about, Mark. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the reason I'm, I'm uh, calling upon your name here, Mark, is because I thought this news is particularly depressing for you and I, less so for Campbell. Uh, during the Microsoft and Bethesda showcase, uh, Microsoft always trying to get <laughs> uh, into the hearts and minds of the Japanese people, Announced a partnership with Atlas to bring (laughs) Persona 5, Persona 4, Persona 3 to the Xbox family. Soon after, it was confirmed that those games are also coming to Steam and to PlayStation. Not to Switch. Why do you act as if I'm not depressed about this? This is heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, it's extremely disappointing to see all these other consoles, all these other systems get access to some of the greatest JRPGs ever made. Uh, Switch is very uh, noticeably not announced uh, as a platform to receive any of these games, which is truly baffling. It makes no sense because I've been playing dozens of hours of Persona 5 on PlayStation 5 right now. I adore this game, but Mm -hmm. I would love it even more if I could play it in bed with my Switch six inches from my face. (laughs) I would pay full price for it. Literally. Without a doubt. Yeah, I just put 70 hours into Persona 5. I would gladly do all of that again immediately if it came to Switch. The worst thing is that Catherine, that game that Atlas published, she's the same engine as Persona 5, 5, and there are Persona 5 scenes that you could play through in that game. So clearly it works flawlessly, but like, why are they not bringing right. it over? And it's just so odd. Especially it doesn't make sense because like, I know that Persona 5 is, you know, a huge PlayStation exclusive, whatever. I could make, it, I could understand if they didn't want to bring that to other platforms. Xbox, I guess, fine, whatever. But for P3 and P4, like those games were on the Vita and PSP. Like, why shouldn't they come to the biggest and, well, really, the only mobile platform right now? <laughs> it just does not make any sense at all. Yeah, it's pretty pretty baffling. Um, clear, clearly, uh, Atlas hates money, or, like, they couldn't... I don't know. It seems weird to me that they wouldn't be able to cut a deal with Nintendo unless... I mean, I don't know, unless maybe these other platforms are, like, you're trying to, like, buy that that timed exclusivity sort of thing. Like, it could be one of those situations. We don't know about it. But I feel like they would be more transparent about that if that was the case. Hopefully. Or a Nintendo Direct. I was going to say, yeah, (laughs) still haven't had a Nintendo Direct, so there's a chance that Nintendo would willfully be left out of the Persona uh, new platforms party just to have its own announcement at the end of the month. But I don't see that happening, honestly. 
Well, we'll we'll cross our fingers. There's still hope. Listen, I'm always going to hold a candle for uh, for Persona Five on Switch. Remember um, that life will change, so <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? Let's move on to something a little more positive. Uh, so we've been talking about the Persona series, some of the most stylish and beautiful uh, JRPGs ever made. But there is another stylish and beautiful game that is coming out on Switch this very week. At the time of recording, the game is not out yet. But uh, by the time you hear this, you'll be able be to get this game. It will be out. Uh, we are, of course, about to talk about Neon White, the game that stole the show uh, when it was announced last year, and over the last several months, every time it's every time it's come up in the news, everybody's been like, "When is this game coming out?" Uh, Mark, you've been reviewing it for Goombastomp. What are your thoughts and feelings? It's it's so funny. The last week, everyone's been talking about it in the chat, and I've been like, "I I've had this for two weeks, and it's mm-hmm. really 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 good." I'll actually say this: I think Neon White might be my favorite indie game on Nintendo Switch, and I think it's a contender for the best indie game on Nintendo Switch because. It is seriously just thrilling, emotional. It's addicting. It's I, I've never put so much time in one sitting into a single indie game. So Neon White is from uh, Ben Esposito, who created Donut County, yes. which was another uh, experimental indie game, which I also just played recently. It's really good, that one. But this I one is Donut a uh, it's a speed-running first-person action game. And it features Steve Bloom as the, uh, or Steve Blum as the uh, main voice. He plays Neon White, the main character. So um, Steve Blum's character, Neon White, he has died and went to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, he finds out that he wasn't supposed to be there. And that in what is seemingly this horrible thing made by God, he decides to handpick assassins from the gates of hell and bring them to heaven to become demon slayers, to kill all these demons that have infested heaven. And they're put into a tournament and the winner is given a halo that allows them to stay in heaven and enjoy its paradise until the next year where they must compete in the tournament again. So, uh, you know, White is sent into this tournament and he has no idea what's happening, but people know who he is and he can't remember who he is. So the whole game is about essentially getting to the top of the tournament while finding out who you are, why your friends have these certain relationships with you and how you can solve the mystery behind what is going on. The whole thing is just spectacular. The gameplay and the narrative all go hand in hand. It is constantly just thrilling the entire game from beginning to end. It's a nonstop roller coaster. It's seriously, I don't want to spoil it, and I'm not going to say any spoilers. The plot is just fantastic. And I did not expect that from a runner game because usually runner games are very arcade focused, they're very fine tuned with gameplay. But this is a game where everything, again, is hand in hand. The narrative affects the gameplay, and the gameplay affects the narrative. And it's all so seamless, and there's so much to do do and just experience in neon white that's wow. really interesting uh, uh now mark we were kind of talking before um we started recording you compared the uh the way the narrative and the gameplay interact to persona to call back to that uh, could you elaborate a little bit more about like how the narrative and gameplay intertwine 
Yeah, so the game has a mission structure, and each mission has a select amount of uh, levels in them. So what happens is you enter a mission, and there's a cutscene. Usually the cutscene lasts about five, maybe sometimes more minutes. It really depends on what's going on in the story and such. And then you get to play through a few levels, and then at the halfway point of the mission, you get to experience more cutscenes and learn more about the characters, and then you get to the end after more levels, and that is essentially how that works. There's another cutscene. You go back to the hub world to get your next mission. You keep doing that. But in between that, when you go to the hub world, there are certain unlockables that you can find in these levels. So it sort of has where uh, Persona has the confidant system. It's basically the same thing, except they call it insight. And as you give your friends gifts, you get them to increase their insight levels, which will activate either side quests, dialogues, or memories. And that just fully develops each and every character in this game. And you really get to find out how White's life just came to an end and the horrors behind everything that went down and why he was sent to hell. And it's just, it's all, I really want to talk about the story, but it's just so good. Hang it's so to it. well Hang executed. On to it. Well, I, I'm, I have this game. Uh, uh, listen, you guys, you all know I'm a sucker for uh, for patience and not buying new video games. But I did pre-order this game uh, to play the moment it releases on, I believe, Thursday or Friday. So As Mark, you we can, should. <laughs> we can dig into the story perhaps at a, maybe in a couple weeks, maybe two weeks or so well, after I, I play through the game myself. So, so hold those thoughts. Hold them tight and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll get to it another time. But I will say the gameplay, though, is where this game really shines because it so, has this weird card system. And each card is a different gun that you can pick up, except the guns can be discarded for godlike abilities. So let's just say like the standard pistol allows you to do a double jump, but you have to immediately get rid of that weapon. And since you're in a runner, everything is so fast and lightning quick. So if you discard a card at the wrong time and you don't have a weapon, something can just instantly kill you. But the way it uses those abilities, it's just, it's so clever with the challenges. And they always want you to think outside the box and go outside the linear route. Well, I guess it would be a non-linear game, but there is a, like a dedicated route they have designed per level. But there's also like a hundred different ways to complete each and every level in the game. If you know how to use your abilities and you find different tactics, you can even skip entire parts of the levels and just blast through them while still taking out every single enemy. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. It's so well thought out. I love that. So, okay. So remind me, you played, uh, what was it called? Ghost Runner a couple, like a year ago? Yes. So <laughs> Which did game, not uh, run which smoothly not, on Switch. Yeah, it didn't run smoothly on the Switch. Um, did this game, like obviously calling saying like saying seeing that a game is in the same genre as another game doesn't immediately mean that they're comparable mm -hmm. uh but would you say they're comparable <laughs> <laughs> well this game was built from the ground up on switch it runs at seamless 60 uh, frames wow. per second it's locked okay. It's, um, I'm pretty sure it's running at HD the entire time. I never noticed any resolution dips. There's a little bit of sharpness to the visuals, but since it's so stylized with minimalistic aspects and highly detailed characters, and the cutscenes are all like visual novels, like the Persona, some of the earlier Persona games, I should say like Persona 4 and Persona 3, it's all so graphically pleasing. And the stylization, the overall art direction is just really pleasing. It's, it's very good to look at. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think we should we should probably spend a little more time talking about the art direction because, like, uh, we've mentioned again, this is an audio medium, so perhaps not the best uh, the best thing to talk about. But like, 
anytime I've seen this game in action, um, anytime I've seen a screenshot, it looks unbelievable. It looks like so incredibly stylish. Uh, it looks like like a badass anime come to life. Like it everything is, about yeah. it. Yeah, Even the opening cutscene, it. it has an anime opening and it's just it's great yeah <laughs> with the whole music to it and all the action and it really sets the stage for what you're about to play so so you're saying uh not only does it like run amazingly and like look you know like like visually the fidelity is is extremely good but like the art direction is like all, it holds up it, it would you say it's as... oh everything does it's perfectly fine-tuned it. there's just one i have one major gripe with this game which is the text in handheld mode can be like microscopic Oh yeah, that's my I'm sorry, problem. Mark. Uh, uh, Mark, I played a Switch <laughs> game. Uh, I think I, I think I understand. <laughs> this one, like some of these menus, can be um, brutal at times, yeah, like causing you to squint. But luckily, you don't really need to read the text, which is uh, lucky on this game's part. But yeah, it's it's forgivable, obviously, with everything else it has going for it. But uh, it's it's certainly annoying at some parts, especially when you're just trying to read the timings and the objectives. Like there are parts where it's just kind of bothersome. Right. Wait, why don't you need to read the text most of the time? Is it like voice acting or... or it's very... It's like a very basic hub world. So, like, you know where you're going after you explore it once. It's like... It's not a 3D hub world. It's 2D. It's like... You click oh, okay. on an icon, go to that location. So, once you know where everything is, it's like, no problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And there's only, like, five things on the hub world. One of which you'll only use for, like, a secret unlockable. So, you won't have that much trouble. Nice good to know um yeah it just it looks awesome it's like it, it sounds like this is um i'm surprised to hear you uh lavish so much praise upon the story um not that i had like i just i just hadn't thought of it as as you mentioned when you started talking about this game i just hadn't thought of it as a story focused game mm-hmm. no um, neither so did it, i when i when yeah. i first started it i thought we were going to get a bunch of cutscenes at the beginning and then some at the end and right. no, every single mission there's cutscenes at the beginning middle and end always gives you that and then you have tons of persona again like persona the dialogue conversations and they continually just develop the characters and then you have the memories and they just continually just flesh out everybody in the story i love that it sounds like a uh it sounds like a mashup and not not to like i hate that i do this but i i this is just how my brain works like i always have to like this thing looks like a combination of this thing and that thing like that's just that's just how my my mind works but it is it, almost like the like the style of something like no more heroes uh mashed with the kind of really out there art sensibilities of paradise killer or something like that yeah oh i gosh. think it's um i think it's actually most comparable to persona 5 that i feel like would be the best comparison for this game especially right. how some of the cutscenes are directed and some of the 3d animations they just feel like straight out of an atlas game Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. say that I was just looking at some GIFs, screenshots, and trailers and stuff for this game, and I did get a lot of No More Hero, no More Heroes vibes just from that. Maybe it's the the kind of uh, somewhat simplistic angular style for the characters and stuff, or if it's the mm-hmm. attitude. And then Paradise Killer, honestly, I completely forgot about that game, Cameron, until you mentioned it. <laughs> but the vibes oh, yeah. totally seem to line up with this, that's too. A, that's, a, that's a deep cut for all you <laughs> indie game lovers out there. Oh, yeah. But Paradise Killer was so cool, though, too. Um, but that's besides the point. I mean, it sounds amazing for what you're describing, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I. it's funny. The only thing outside of the text, that's the only complaint I have about this game. There's nothing else I have to complain about. 
it's challenging and it just it, it's uh, that's the funny thing about it runners are usually very challenging for me and i didn't find this game that challenging because of how fluid and razor tight the gameplay is i feel like i had so much control over what was going on and the amount of possibilities that there were to complete missions in and the fact that they gave you this linear path and these alternatives it's just it caters well to an audience that it's not trying to cater to perhaps because Ben Esposito keeps talking about how they're trying to aim for like a cult following with this game mm -hmm. and a cult audience and it's like this game is super super open to anybody like I feel like even if you hate runners like I'm not a huge fan of runners I still had a blast with this game it's I think it's my favorite indie game on switch I was just so blown away by everything it had to offer and the way it teaches the player and wants them to just continually try again. Another thing is this game is very, you know, the plot is all about competition and stuff like that and forgiveness. And this game is super forgiving and wants you to be competitive. There's online leaderboards with every single level and the main challenges that allow you to progress further in the game to increase your neon rank or rather decrease it because you're trying to become the top is that... Um, when you complete levels, you get what's called medals. And these medals are always based on timing. So the faster you complete the level, you can get all four tiers of the medals, which gives you more insight, which decreases your neon rank, which allows you to move on to the next mission. And this game wants you, like it pushes you to really work for it. And the payoff is so satisfying. Hearing you describe that gameplay loop, Mark, it's like that just made my brain like tingle. I'm like, ooh, like that sounds, you know what I mean? Like it sounds like a an airtight gameplay loop. Mm -hmm. And I thought another thing is I thought this game was going to be very much like Persona where it's like, um, you know, you go into a palace and a lot of fans are like, oh, let's try and finish the whole palace in one sitting. And it's like, yeah, that's good to do. But there's like a ton of side stuff to do. And no, this game will always put you back in the hub world. It really wants you to explore those separate dialogue conversations and unlock mm. side quests and talk to these characters. And it's just, it's all great. It's very simplified, yet it's very technical. Yeah, well, and simplified, like, to be clear, simplified does not mean bad. Like, oh, no, of course like, not. I, yeah. I would, like, at the end of the day, I, 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 listen, I could use a little more simplicity in my life, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, I, think it's, I think it's good when a game is like, hey, Here's here's what we want to do, and then they just nail it. It sounds like Neon White really does that. Mm -hmm. um, wow, I can't wait to play this game. Trying um, to think what else is on the mind. Oh, the soundtrack by, um, I think her name's Machine Girl, who did the soundtrack. It's incredible. It's like a techno, hip-hop. Um, mm. It's this really weird genre mix. Just the whole thing is just great. Inside the lyrics for each mission, you can hear like certain things that kind of point towards the story, which is always great. Or like certain character names are used as like the main lyric. Oh, it's all just, it's so interesting looking back on the whole experience and realizing how certain aspects were put in place. It's just, I'd love to do a spoiler cast on that. Yeah, like <laughs> I said, like give me, give me like a week and a half, two weeks yeah. after I've uh, put some, put some time into it. Um, well, it, it, at the risk of uh, at the risk of spoiling anything else, I think we can say that you liked it. Uh, it's one of your favorite indie games on Switch. I think that's about the highest praise uh, you can give this kind of a game. As, as we, <laughs> listen, on this on this show, we love indies, and I think we all have our favorites. But to, to to have a brand new game like this jump right to the top of Mark's list, I think that's a really good sign. Yeah, there's uh, no. Um, I can't even think of like a competition. <laughs> man, it's awesome. like I love a short hike. 
you know, I love Fogs. I love, there's so many indie games on Switch I love, you know, Hades, Celeste, but. Yeah, of course. But it's, but it sounds like this one really, it just hit all This hit one all just really, it really captivated me and I didn't expect it to because I'm not a huge fan of runners. Like I liked Ghost Runner, but I'm not a huge fan of that genre. But this made me want to pick up more games in the genre. Yeah, awesome. It, this is maybe a bit of a, a, a weird question to close with, but you brought up both Celeste and Hades here, and those are my two two of my favorite indie games on Switch, another one being Hyperlight Drifter, as I repeat over and over and over again. But the things that make those kinds of indie games my favorite on the platform is how, to me, they feel like they go beyond being like fun gameplay experiences, but they tie together the story, the aesthetics, everything to... Yeah, it's the same, that. same it's like exact that. scenario, except okay. the thing is the execution of this story in this game is so seamless that it just feels so rewarding at the end of the day once you reach the end of it and even uh, i'll tell you about there's two endings in this game there's a bad ending and a good ending i mean a lot of games have that nowadays but no matter which one you get it will feel rewarding awesome i love that so it's, it's not like you finish it and you're like oh crap i got the bad ending it's like oh no you still you, it's like it's like encouraging you to to get back at it again and try to get a different ending yeah definitely awesome awesome um all right let's 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 end it there because it sounds like we will definitely talk about this game again um uh in the next you know who, who knows how long but i think we can safely say uh, myself and possibly campbell too who knows we'll, we'll definitely be playing this game so we will we will certainly talk about it again uh let's take a a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about some balls uh so hang tight and we will be right back <laughs> about an amazing new game from Nintendo, the latest entry in the much-beloved Mario Sports series. But before we talk about Mario's balls, let's talk about taking care of yours. This episode of the N-Express Nintendo Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best company in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code STOMP at manscaped.com. And if my math is correct, that's about 8 million Hyperstrike balls from Mario Strikers. <laughs> and remember, that is code STOMP, S-T-O-M-P, all caps for 20% off. And with all that said, I kick things over to you, Cameron. Oh, to me, thank you so <laughs> yeah, much. Uh, I just also, I just want to, I just want to note, uh, worldwide shipping. I think that's very exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So get on that code, guys. It's uh, the product is good. We've all been wearing the boxers. We've all been uh, using the ball deodorant. It's great stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, the, this next thing we're going to talk about here, obviously, Mario Strikers, uh, the the long, I would say the long-awaited sequel to a beloved game. 
that I unfortunately have not played because I'm a dummy, and I thought the <laughs> demo I thought the demo was just going to be like a demo that was on the Switch forever. But nope, it was just a it was a single weekend early in June, uh, like a three or four day event. Uh, I think they called it the kickoff demo or something like yes, that. First kick, I believe. The first kick demo. I missed the boat on that one, so mm -hmm. I have nothing to say about Mario Strikers. Me neither. <laughs> Two-thirds of this podcast are losers. No? We're losers. <laughs> um, but that's okay. So because Mark it's it's the Mark Kalaroff hour, apparently. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna toss yes. it over to you again. <laughs> um, so you talked in depth last week about the about the first kick. Uh, about the demo, about your impressions, you were pretty high on the demo. Mm -hmm. uh, have your thoughts changed? Is it more of the same? Has, has it deepened in any significant way? I will say my thoughts from last week did not change. That's but close. the stuff I didn't talk about, the problems still kind of remain, which is kind of sad. But, I mean, you know, we're expecting it at this point with all Mario sports titles. It's the same problems that you would expect <laughs> that came out of the other games which is really the main problem is content like just right out of the gate it, it's content sure. content is extremely um it, it could use a lot more <laughs> i'll put it like okay yeah okay but yeah. uh the mario sports games have all launched in this weird state where it's like we're gonna give you content over time but then if the game doesn't do that great then the content kind of slows down and this one it, it just it needs more characters that's my biggest gripe with it because honestly i think the stages are great the idea with character creation in the game where you create your own teams and their own gear and their own layouts and it, it's all so well done but the problem is that it can be this is my biggest gripe with the game it can be a little difficult to sometimes look at the field because in the original mario strikers games you had a team captain and then you had your sidekicks and the sidekicks were usually like toads or shy guys or something around those lines but in this game all the team captains are your team so not only do you have a smaller team but you also have to look at sometimes what is like the same exact team across the field because there's only 10 characters in this game oh sure so sure. it it can get really confusing at times which is a big problem for this game but How, it's still uh, so, it's so much fun it, so it's just it's so you, well done but before we dip into like because I, I i can tell you want to get deep with the mechanics and i and i do want to hear about that uh but just to just to kind of touch on a problem that you just alluded to so you mentioned that uh, sometimes the, the the makeup of the opposing team is the same, if not yes. similar to <laughs> your own team. So how does the game differentiate between those? Is it like color palette swaps? Yeah, or like... there's color color palette swaps and yeah. gear can look different depending on Got what it. you're using and stuff. That's usually the best way to indicate who's who. But um, it, it could still, like, again, I was playing on a big TV with my brother and it's like, it could sometimes you can get lost in the mix of the characters like it happens even when you're playing by yourself it could still sometimes happen which I, I guess that's more so of a problem where you know in the older games you had your team captain and a bunch of sidekicks everyone could really differentiate from each other there also wasn't online play so like you can really choose who is going to be who which is now a uh, a bigger issue but um yeah, that's there's not much else to really say about that because it's going to be a problem no matter what game mode you're playing, no matter what you're doing. It's just really you have to adjust your eyes to it and really keep your eye on your players while also focusing on the ball and the opponents. And it, it can be a lot, but it's it's completely doable. 
Like, it's not hindering the whole experience. It's bothersome at first glance, but you get used to it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you get used to it. A ringing, in, a ringing endorsement. Uh, <laughs> and I, I do, it's so sad to say, because I actually, I really enjoy this game. I think... I think it's the best Mario sports game on Switch. It definitely is, but the bar for that is not so too um, high say, to begin with. Mario so Tennis is, Aces, baby. <laughs> I was going to say, this is this is an interesting caveat. So, um, again, I have not dipped, other than, like, very cursory uh, glances and, like, you know, looks at these other Mario sports games, I have not played uh, Mario Golf. What's it called? Super... Rush. I haven't played yeah, that one. Haven't played Mario Tennis Aces. I, I, I'm like, you know, as we just said, haven't played this game. It seems as though all of this, like this era of Mario sports games on the Switch, uh, as you just said, Mark, kind of suffer from a like a weird content, content a, dar- a dearth of content. Yeah. Uh, but also, they have like this um, I don't really good mechanics. It. Just like good mechanics really... and like and like yeah. fun, you know, like fun new twists of, of you know items or whatever you want to call it. But like, mm-hmm. but then for some reason or other, they don't quite have that longevity of some of the earlier era of. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of like the GameCube era of Mario sports games. Like people loved those. Those ones are some of the more beloved in the in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they, there's a reason they keep putting them on the uh, the, uh, the NES Online expansion pack. Like. Now they've got Mario Tennis and Mario Golf. Like, there is clearly a reason why people love these Mario sports games, but for some reason or other, it seems like the Switch era, like, I don't know if it, I don't want to say it keeps missing the mark, because obviously it's going to sell like a gajillion copies. But like, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, but it seems it seems like <laughs> hardcore fans kind of like they, they play it for that first week or two, and then they kind of like fall off it. So I don't know. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on that? No, that's exactly what it is. And it's really, it has to do at the end of the day with the amount of content and options that are available because mm. it's honestly not a lot. And here's the thing. With this one, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we'll get a lot of content in the next like three months. But at the same time, I'm worried that because of the amount of content and the online focus on tournament matches and making these huge groups, I feel like this game, if Nintendo doesn't promote it and keep the hype up, then it could die like really quick and could end up being the Mario sports game to go, you know, the least amount of time because super rush, you know, the support for it got, (laughs) <laughs> it clearly ended quite short because uh, Mario Tennis Aces went on for a long time and then Super Rush was kind of just like axed and thrown under the rug. We didn't hear about it in advance that when the final update would be, it kind of just came out and they were like, yep, that's it. We're done. So mm-hmm. I there's already people are discovering that there's like 10 unlockable characters for future updates that are mm-hmm. uh, in the code for this game. So it seems like, you know, Next Level Games, fantastic developer, they seem like they have a, uh, a clear content plan ahead and this isn't going to be, you know, stitched and stapled together at the last second or, you know, just we're going as we're going. So I, I have a lot of hope with them because they're just a great developer. But yeah, it, it makes me worried, honestly, for people who are going to pick up this game in the future, mm. how it's going to look because I, I wanted to get those 10 characters and I wanted to get that far because... I think if it has all that content, it'll be fantastic. But in the current state it's in right now, it's um, 
it's like it shreds this fine line between being super engaging and really fun to play and then mildly like disappointing and just more mario strikers except on switch which is also fine because that's what people wanted after a 15 year hiatus but still the amount of content it um it, it definitely it, we need more content that's the bottom line like we we just need more content Mm-hmm. that's fair uh do you do you know we, we don't know who the new characters are yet no there's we? no yeah there's no indication no yeah. information on that just yet any 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 uh predictions uh i'm gonna say diddy kong boo maybe shy guy okay characters that appeared in the old one <laughs> uh I, I remember I, I feel like i saw something a couple weeks daisy. ago about, i was gonna say daisy fans are like yeah daisy's daisy? not in the game <laughs> For the that. better. <laughs> They're still t- wow, for the better. Wait, I'm sorry, Wait a second. Mark, we got, what? Yeah, we got to unpack that, this. Yeah, for, for the better. Well, okay, explain Noted. yourself why. <laughs> I don't know. We have Rosalina. Why do we need Daisy? Because Daisy's wow. cool. Like, why? This is Daisy... <laughs> This is Daisy Erasure. I'm sorry, uh, you can't have too many princesses. Okay? It was like Dry Bones or someone, or Koopa Troop. How does okay, Koopa Troop? Okay, so wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, but Daisy. Mark, you literally want a skeleton over yeah. a living sassy princess. Yeah. Why? <laughs> you know, her her animations could be interesting depending on what they choose to portray her with in the game. But uh, yeah, I want like Koopa Troopa, Paratroopa. I want someone yeah. interesting. Give me Bullet Bill or Piranha Plant. Hey, at, at least, <laughs> at least, <laughs> yeah. Give, give me, give me something interesting. Give yeah. me Bullet Bill. <laughs> give me a bullet over a human. <laughs> give me, give me the fish from Mario Three. The I want to play as him. Yeah. <laughs> cheap, cheap. I want to play as him. Honestly, Incredible. cheap, cheap. Wearing like cleats or something. <laughs> oh my god. We just no one feet, on each. Fin. Just like oh my god. Cleats. Yeah, a pair that, of like visors. Great. That would okay. Oh, I've come okay. around. That would I've come around on cheap, cheap. I, Maybe I would, he floats yeah. in a bubble. Yeah, I would take <laughs> that over Daisy though. Like I would take Daisy yeah. over Dry Bones, but I would take cheap, cheap and cleat cleats over Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> cheap, funny. cheap and cleat cleats. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so what, what do you think, Campbell? Should we? Should you and I try to get Mario Strikers and uh, bump up the potentially already flagging um, online? You see, I, I, I think that Nintendo has put us in an ethical quandary here because yes. it's like this game is not something that I would want to buy right now based on what Mark is describing. But, it but that's like, the problem. But, you know, Mark, that is exactly <laughs> it. It won't become something I want to buy unless there's enough people playing the game and then Nintendo decides to add more characters into it based on the player base. So like it's an awful game that they're putting people into to just try and be like, well, the game will suck. People don't buy it. Whatever. Cut your losses. But if it does become hugely profitable then they're going to start expanding it and actually making it into a good game that's unfair to well the it players. is a good game i wouldn't say you know it's a great game i'd say right but, i um, feel like yeah i think I, I i i don't mean to like drive the conversation as though like this game is already dead like that's that's yeah. not what i'm saying um i it just, just came uh, out but it just I, came it's out. funny yeah. unlike some of the other mario sports game in the past i'm already like not seeing this game like trending on twitter or, like just seeing it in conversations or it's weird. I feel like maybe it's because of, you know, Summer Games Fest happened. This game was going to have a, you know, big resurgence in the next week or two, maybe by the time the first content drops. But I, I really, that's my biggest fear with this game. I, I still want to recommend it. Like, I really want to recommend this game. If you're looking for a Mario sports game on Switch, this is definitely hands down the one to get. But it worries me over what's going to happen in the future, which, you know, 
we, we can't say anything beyond that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, here, uh, here on the Express podcast, we cannot predict the future. Uh, so, like, stop asking us to, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Unless if you're Campbell, who says Metroid Dread is going to happen, and then it's called Metroid Dread. <laughs> yes, and then, and then it does, yeah. Little or me, fact. I guess, for, yes. for predicting uh, random Nintendo hardware. Um, you were predicting <laughs> hardware that would be announced at events where Nintendo said no hardware, no hardware. would be announced. <laughs> like, you went true. against the green, and we're correct anyway. So, this like, is true. So, hold two, on. Maybe we maybe we are clairvoyant. What am I talking about? I was going to say, two-thirds um, of the show are prophetic, at the very least. Um, I, I've, I've said some stuff, that's Mario Party Superstars. You there know? you go. That's okay, true. so there you go. We are a, a downright reliable source for insider information 3d curry we're the pre we're the precogs from uh minority report the three of us Um, (laughs) there you go exactly (laughs) just pale and floating in a pool of water um i am pale and floating in a pool of water right now so that's how we record the show i think Mm -hmm. i thought we all knew that i get Um, that good acoustics going on with us (laughs) we didn't Uh, get to talk about it but the mechanics of this game Please. It's it's more uh, it's more Mario Strikers. It's they've refined it. They've mixed together the Wii and the GameCube game to like perfection. The only thing that kind of bothers me sometimes is the field feels a little small. Which that might be because of the five v five focus, which is fine. But I hope in a future update we can maybe get some bigger fields. Oh, interesting. Bigger, like like uh, bigger, bigger. How like like long? They, they take longer to run across, or yeah, longer to run across would be nice. So you're trying. So we're, Mark's trying to make the game feel more like authentic uh, soccer by making <laughs> the the fields take like minutes to run across. I got it. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Um, that's really funny. Well, uh, so, do you? Okay, explain a little bit about about the about the mechanics of this game because again, I have not played this. Um, I never even played the first one, uh, which I know is a lot of a lot of people's like favorite mm-hmm. game of that era. But I, I never played. Uh, that first Mario Strikers game. So, like, let's talk a little bit about, like, what does it feel like to actually, like, pass the ball, kick the ball, do the super moves, all that stuff? Uh, You click A, you kick it, you press B, you pass it, you press Mm -hmm. Y, you lob pass, which is, like, sort of kicking it up into the air and getting it to another player. It's uh, it's a soccer title. That sounds (laughs) like that. uh, (laughs) It's got that fun, you know, Mario twist to it, where it's completely off the wall, just crazy. It's insanity, like... The hyper strikes, especially where you'll send a ball flying across the field as it's like on fire and it'll smash into the goalie and he'll basically be holding it back and you'll have to match the button and then it'll explode. And hmm. it, it has that next level games Mario sports charm to it where every character is so animated and goofy and the it's just the whole game is crazy. You can literally like <laughs> you just tackle people and you won't even get like a penalty because that's the rule of the game you'll just like be thrown an item instead so like you tackle down a yoshi throw him into the wall and he gets electrocuted and it's like oh here's a star from the audience <laughs> yeah just like real soccer yeah of course <laughs> um is there okay so does battle league have a battle mode or is it all pretty much like it's a soccer match kind of thing? There's soccer matches, tournaments. The online cup is supposed to be this big deal that Nintendo has been hyping up, which we'll see how the seasons actually play out because mm-hmm. they don't start for another week. So no one really knows how this thing is going to uh, play. But sure. uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the online, which, you know, getting a top ranking for the team and how they're going to present that. 
but uh, it, it's all very promising. Didn't they? Oh boy, I might be conflating this with a different Nintendo game. Didn't they like completely revamp the online for this game, or was that? Am I thinking of something different? Like I, I feel like I remember the online. Like I feel like I remember something about how like oh the Switch is is like completely reformatting the way they do online services. And I thought it had something to do with this game. I might be imagining this. Maybe this is maybe, maybe this is a this might be a dream I had. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this might be a, a, a weird fever dream that I you know I once again uh, just, a, just an afternoon delusion. Yeah, just about mixing Mario fantasy Strikers and reality. <laughs> yeah, about a you, game you, know, you don't even know. <laughs> just idly thinking about like what if Nintendo completely revamped their online infrastructure for a game I'm not going to play. Uh, yeah, it sounds sounds like something I would do. Um, Maybe. Yeah, I, I, honestly, it runs very well. I played a f- a quite a few online matches, never had nice. any lag or anything like that. Oh, good, 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 good. But uh, I'm yeah, also the they... outlier on this show because I feel like I never have problems with the Switch Online, and then everyone else is like, it's a meltdown, like, <laughs> it's it's breaking. So yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm always fair the enough. outlier. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think, I bet you, in the Nintendo Direct that may or may not happen this month, uh, they're definitely going to have some kind of like, Content. here's the theme. You know what I mean? Here's the theme mm-hmm. of the tournament upcoming. You know, kind of like yeah. how they do with the Splatoon <laughs> stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah. I can't wait for them to drop the new content. And then they're going to be like, well, Mario Kart 8 is right around the corner. And no oh one God. will, uh, no one will care. <laughs> I fully expect them to spend a disappointingly long amount of time talking about Mario Strikers Battle League. <laughs> just to, yeah, drop, yes. just to drop Mario Kart. Yeah, just yes. five minutes of like, you know, they'll show off Daisy in the game, and then we'll be like, ah, <laughs> oh, this is awful, and then Mario Kart. And then <laughs> Classic Nintendo Direct stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess that's Mario Strikers Battle League. Um, uh, uh, an exciting game, a great game even, perhaps the best sports uh, Mario sports game at least on the Switch mm-hmm. that may or may not be undone by its support, which we don't know about that yet because we, as we have said before, cannot always predict the future. Um, anything else you want to shout out about what you liked about this game, Mark? Uh, mechanically, it's it's very nice to have a Mario game that's uh, technically deep with perfect shots and regular shots and the dodging mm. and the lightning boosts. And it's all, it's so compelling to just see how deep a Mario sports game could get. Because I feel like we just had golf and it was like, yeah, you just aim your shot and that's kind of it. And then speed golf's like, just start running and then this is like super like well did you know this about passing and it's like well, there's two different types of pass but you can actually intercept and if you manage to intercept you can actually strike the goal at the right time and it's just like it goes really deep well i think that's always kind of been the thing about about mario uh, strikers yeah uh, well about about like nintendo sports games in general is always kind of like a weird secret layer of depth like wasn't that the case mm-hmm. with uh with arms as well I never played ARMS, so I couldn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> like, uh, okay, I feel like I feel like there was talk about how, like, oh, no, it's actually, who like, did you get into it. it. <laughs> yeah, who played ARMS? Ooh. I played uh, You know, ARMS, that great new IP that Nintendo <laughs> loved so much. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like I remember hearing about, like, that there was surprisingly deep mechanics in ARMS if you got past kind of the surface mm. layer. But the Mario sports games are usually really yeah. simple. Especially, I feel like Tennis Aces, outside of... I mean, what can you really do with tennis outside, like, the super shots? But it was, like, you know? Mm. It's just, it's very basic and meant for, like, a casual audience. But this one is definitely more catered to a uh, a hardcore audience in a way. Well, there you go. 
Um, well, I guess we'll I guess we'll look forward to seeing. Uh, you know how with the support that this uh, that unfolds for Mario Strikers Battle League. Um, we're gonna take one more quick break. And uh, Mark, you, you have something written about that on the on the site already, right? Uh, no, but I will oh, have whoop. that in neon white up very soon. Gotcha. Fair enough. Perhaps by the time that uh, this, this, is this up, podcast will yeah. be. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, great. Awesome. Sorry to be to put you on the spot there. I do. Um, I do have um, a tips guide for Mario Strikers and uh, a whole guide explaining all the advanced and perfect moves that you can perform in the game. So if you do need help with that, then go check that perfect. out. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, great. Awesome. So by the time you're hearing this, uh, Mark will have some stuff on those games. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break, come back. We're going to finish it off with a little spotlight for you all. And uh, yeah, so hang tight and we'll come back. back so uh a little uh we thought we we thought we'd do the as as mark so aptly put it before we start recording an indie sandwich for you all although i, I don't know if i would necessarily call uh Aiden chronicle rising an indie game um it does it's it seems to be uh well i don't know i guess it's more i guess it's more indie than mario strikers battle league so there you go um i've been <laughs> that's playing a good scale yes there, that's the, the only scale truly um i've been playing Ayudin Chronicle Rising, a game, a, a start. Okay, how do we even talk about this game? Uh, are you guys familiar with Suikoden? Yep. Yeah, of course. Oh. Uh, Konami okay. game. A Konami right. game from back in the day, a long-running JRPG series that uh, I, I would say there's no longer any Suikoden games. I think there's like eight mainline ones or something. It's a I series. I thought there that, was only like three. I thought there was, oh, no, there's I many, there many Suikoden games. So. Yeah, there's at least there's that. at least three or five. Um, I guess we can solve this mystery right now. Suikoden games. Um, there's at least five, it looks like. Also, some kind of DS game. Oh, interesting. All kinds of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long-running uh, RPG series um, famous for its multitude of characters. Kind of the draw of the early games in the series was you could recruit, like, dozens of characters for your party. And it was one of the first games of its type to to do something like that, to really build out this large party and go on these adventures and, and uh, you know, engage in turn-based battles and, you know, this epic political-based story running across these several games. Um, Iodine Chronicle is nothing like that. Um, but what it is, is kind of a, I would call it, and I call it this in my review, a spiritual successor to these games. This game that I, I Chronicle Rising is kind of a prequel to the spiritual successor of the Suikoden series, 
if that makes sense. Uh, they're, they're, the, the creators, some of the creators of Suikoden uh, ran a Kickstarter a few years back for a a new series that they are developing called Iodin Chronicle 100 Heroes, sort of an allusion to the dozens uh, characters that you could recruit to your party. So 100 Heroes is going to be like this kickoff of this brand new JRPG series. And Iodin Chronicle Rising, which is the game that I'm slowly circling the drain to talk about right now, uh, is kind of the precursor game to kick off this new universe. But crucially, it is not a JRPG. Uh, it is not turn-based battles. Uh, it is a 2D loot-driven dungeon crawler. Uh, so uh, it, it's kind of odd that this game is in the same universe as this, like, this RPG that they're trying to build. It's kind of, it seems kind of strange to me. I think it's cool that they're like, well, we, we, we're, we're, we're developing this, this brand new JRPG series, but we want to introduce players to the universe, to the world, to the characters. So what we're going to do is create a prequel game with none of the mechanics that will be featured in this upcoming game that's going to come out in like a year or two. And so, and so here we are with Iodin Chronicle Rising, uh, which I've been playing off and on for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's fun. It's, uh, it's a 2D, like, action RPG, I would call it. Not turn-based, again, as I've, as I've mentioned. You control three characters, you can kind of swap between them on the fly, which is kind of interesting. Um, I would say the highlights for me are the really universally excellent character design. Uh, every time you meet a new character, you get a portrait, like a character portrait of that guy. Um, or yeah, I'm saying guy, but it's like there's like there's beastmen, there's fantastic women characters, like it's all kinds of all types of characters in this game. Uh, crucially, there is a human-sized parakeet uh, who is obsessed with shiny things, and they sell you trinkets, which is very very fun. Uh, one of your main party members is a big old kangaroo who has a giant Buster Sword, kind of like Cloud Strife, that he slings over his shoulder, and he can reach into his pouch and pull out all of his items, which is kind of funny. It's like a magic pouch. Um, and then you have your standard, like, plucky teen who's out for adventure and to, like, I'm going to prove my worth to my family. And then, you know, of course, your your third party member is, like, very stereotypical Sailor Moon magical girl type who's like, I've got these magic powers, but I don't know how they work. Oh, my gosh. Like, am I super powerful? Am I the catalyst to the end of the world? Or am I just, like, kind of a goofy, uh, you know, teenager? It's tropes on tropes, but I think the game executes pretty well on what it's trying to do. Sort of the, it's it's such an interesting game. Like I I, I can't. Like every time I was playing it, I was always thinking about like this is nothing like a turn based JRPG. Like even a little bit. It's it's got, it's got it feels like a spin off. Like it would make sense if the Iodin Chronicle series had been running for a while, and they're like, "Oh, we want to make kind of like a like a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon sort of game." Uh, so we're gonna make something completely different. It's like it it feels like that, but it is technically the first one in this brand new series. So it just it's like it's it doesn't feel like a good introduction. Wait, wait, wait. That's a so is this strategy? It, yeah. Is this a prequel to an upcoming game? It is a or... prequel to an upcoming game. That is correct. But it seems like they're treating this as if Iudin Chronicle is already an established franchise. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Campbell, when you re when you reached out to me like, hey, do you want to review Iudin Chronicle Rising? I was like, 
That's so weird. Uh, Campbell, I don't know anything about the Iodin Chronicle series. And that's because <laughs> that's because there aren't any. There uh, aren't any franchise yet. Wait, no. so you're telling me they announced? Is this this is the one that was on Kickstarter? Yeah, right? that's Iodin Chronicles. Hundred Heroes was on Kickstarter. Yeah, God. this game it, it was not. looks amazing, and it yeah. was hugely successful on Kickstarter. But uh, I guess yeah, I would call needed... it a Kickstarter. Successful. So they yeah. wait. So they they fully funded and released a prequel before the Kickstarter game that was funded but, by fans. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, but this is developed by somebody other than the people developing Aiden Chronicle 100 Hero, right? I believe so. I think it's a, a different development team. <laughs> Wait, um, that's even that's even odder. They convinced an entire <laughs> development team to just become a part of this franchise before it can even become a franchise. It's an, it's such an odd story. Like I'm like I'm like trying to wrap my mind around it. Even even like in the writing of the of the little review I wrote about it, I was like, how how do I even begin to talk about like the <laughs> weird the weird path to get to this game? Um, so I don't even know. Like, I guess it remains to be seen whether Iden Chronicle is like vaporware or not. Like, it, the game, <laughs> I was gonna say, is even, this like an origin story? Or like? It's it, kind of, but not really. That's the thing. Is that like. If, if you go to the Iodin Chronicle 100 Heroes Kickstarter page, it talks about, like, all these major characters. It talks about, like, places you're going to... The world of Iodin Chronicle. In this game, like, the main characters don't really figure into that. Like, you get some... There's some crossover. Like, the, the player character in Iodin Chronicle Rising, I'm pretty sure, is a an ancestor of one of the main characters of 100 Heroes. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, don't quote me on that. Interesting. Uh, so there's like there's like they're trying to do some tie-ins, um, like the world itself, um, the way you know, like the the magic, the way like kind of like how you know all Final Fantasy games have like chocobos and like Phoenix Down and that kind of stuff. You know, it, it feels like it's going to be kind of one of those situations where this game is. I mean, I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong about this, and I apologize to any like hardcore. Uh, Aiden Chronicle fans <laughs> who are who are listening I, to this. Like, I feel this like this guy doesn't get it. Like, I, I feel now. like last year we laughed about this on the podcast because it was in a PlayStation <laughs> presentation, except it was announced for Switch. I that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, it, it feels like something that we would hell have a good laugh I'm about. Like but deja I, vu. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games where it's like, and again, maybe this is just incredibly good marketing, but I, I like. It feels like I should know what Aiden Chronicle is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, feels it like, doesn't exist. Do you think this it, is like, like, are they playing like 4D chess here to make it an established trying, franchise for four like, is? They're trying to like incept me into thinking they're like, oh yeah, Aiden Chronicle. That that such an iconic franchise. franchise. <laughs> With all of its zero games. I don't think there's like Jedi mind trick on you or something. That's what I'm saying. They're, yeah, it's like, uh, what do you call it? Like the Streisand effect or something where it's like, oh, oh yeah, this is real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, I don't know. So, I don't know. So, we're going to see, like, who knows? Maybe in a year when, when uh, 100 Heroes comes out mm-hmm. and we're all blown away by it. Where it's like, oh, great. Like, now we can go back and play the prequel. And, and, and then we'll, and yeah, we'll the... all have a Mandela effect. We'll all That's be what it is. That. That's the phrase I was looking for. This game came out after. That's the phrase I was looking for. Was the was the Mandela effect? Uh, thank you for for that, Mark. Um, that said, <laughs> the game is is like pretty fun. I it's uh oh man, it's it's interesting. It's not hard at all. Like there's no pushback. It's like a frictionless experience. Like you, you go into these dungeons, 
you smack enemies like after not that long i was i was leveled up to like level i don't know 20 i, I don't know how, how high the level cap is but after just a couple of hours i was at like level 21 22 knocking down enemies in like one or two hits uh just like cranking through these dungeons and 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 vacuuming up loot like it's no big deal it's it is a a, a frictionless experience you can just sort of cruise through it um Sort of the the thing about it is you have like this town that you're building. Presumably, this is going to be one of the main towns in Hundred Heroes. Who knows? So you're kind of building up this town from nothing. Um, it's kind of this town on the outskirts of all these these dungeons. Um, every time you go back to town, it's like, oh, you know, the mayor is like, hey, can you can you help build the inn? Can you give the the smithy some ore and he'll make armor for you? You know, you're always trying to kind of build up this community um npcs will arrive to town and be like oh great this community is thriving i can't wait to set up shop here and then like you know you return to them later and they have like well thanks for helping me out i've i've built you this item shop or whatever it's like the more you leave and come back and and find resources for these npcs the the more fleshed out the town becomes so there's kind of this uh very low impact city builder aspect to the game um the characters are like pretty well written pretty funny um I would call it, like, again, the, the player character is, I think, 14 or 15. So, like, I would say its targeted audience is kind of like, it kind of feels like, uh, if I was, like, 15, I would love this game. This would be, like, my favorite fucking game. You know what I mean? It, it's, like, it's like that <laughs> level of, like, okay, it's not that hard, but you can just kind of play it for a couple hours at a time, and those hours will just fly by. Or it's like, did I even do anything? I just ran through this dungeon, like, four times and, and collected, you know, 200 pieces of loot and then completed 15 side quests because all the side quests are some variation of, oh, I really need beast meat to create my favorite dish. Can you go find me five pieces of beast meat? Like, that's every side quest in this game. Like, every side quest in this game is is some variation of like, oh, a bandit ran off with my cloak. Can you track down the bandit? Oh, you found the bandit. Thank you for getting my cloak. It's like, you don't have to, like, do anything. You do, know what I mean? Do they give you beast meat after you get their cloak? Or I... <laughs> Caleb, you're so fixated on the beast meat. You gotta, yes. you gotta get off it. Meat, meat um, on the mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is this um, a uh, text-heavy game? Or... Is it a text-heavy game? Um, there's, a, there's, like, a fair amount of dialogue. I, I think early on I was a little frustrated by the amount of, of, uh, of uh, character dialogue I had to kind of click through before I could get to the gameplay part. There's a lot of setup of like, you're the new kid in town. You got to meet the mayor. The mayor is going to introduce you to all the, the fledgling community. And like, <laughs> oh boy, like I sure hope that my dad comes back from his trip to the dungeons. Do you think anything bad happened to my dad on his trip to the dungeons? <laughs> like there's a lot I of like hate when, uh, I know? hate when it's an absolute dialogue dump where it's like, how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. Like well, an to the, essay to, crammed to the into one credit, guy. To the game's credit, one thing that I really like is, um, like, oftentimes, it'll give you your objectives that are, like, the objectives are pretty simple. It's, like, explore this dungeon. Uh, you know, find this key item. Like the, the, and, and, like, you can track that stuff extremely easily in the map. Like, if you open the map, there's a big, fat exclamation point in the room you need to get to. So you always kind of know what you're working towards. And one of the things that I actually appreciate about this game is a lot of times when you when you're playing a, a, a game, you know, an action RPG like this, like you'll you'll hit the objective and you'll have to sit through like a long cutscene and maybe it kicks you back out of the dungeon and you have to like enter back in or whatever. And this game just kind of keeps rolling along, even if you hit a cutscene. 
They're not very long. You can just kind of like get the key information and the game just puts you back where you were. So if you're like halfway through exploring a dungeon and you hit a plot beat, you can just keep exploring the dungeon. You can like, well, I'm still in this dungeon. I might as well, even if the, even if the next objective is like, go back to town and talk to the mayor. It's like, well, I'm already in this dungeon. I might as well like finish exploring before I, you know, fast travel back to town or whatever. It's like, you can kind of take it at your leisure. It rarely forces you back. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you can always, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like, it, it doesn't impede your progress. You can just kind of keep rolling along. It, like, for example, when you, when you meet an NPC and it's like, oh, I have a side quest for you, but you already have the materials needed to complete that side quest, you can just, like, fulfill the side quest immediately. You don't have to, like, uh, do anything extra. You can just be like, oh, you need, beast, you need beast meat? Great, here it is. Like, give me my reward. Like, you can just instantly fulfill that side quest. Uh, which again, I think speaks to the sort of, uh, the way this game really just wants to keep the action moving forward. Um, it's surprisingly long. I, I was, uh, like you have this, your main character is obsessed with these things. They get stamps for completing objectives, right? Just little, 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 little tchotchkes. You have a stamp sheet. So every time you complete an objective, like or a side quest or something, you get a little stamp on your stamp card. And the first stamp card is like... 30 stamps. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll fill that out. The next one is like 100 stamps. And it's like, you just keep oh getting new stamp cards. It's like, oh my god, there's like, there's a lot to do in this game. Um, I kind of wish it were a little more challenging. Like, the, like the feedback in battle is kind of rough. Like, your main character has a, has like a dash. The dash doesn't feel very fulfilling to pull off. Um, you could do counters with another character that counters don't feel very good. Um, it's like nothing really feels like amazing to do. And yet I was compelled to play hours and hours and hours of this game. So I don't, I don't know if that says more about me or about like they did something right with, with the addictive nature of Viet and Chronicle Rising. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of those. I, I played this game a lot uh, when I was like in the passenger seat of a car. It's like, well, I'll just bust out my Switch and, and play some some uh some I did in Chronicle Rising because I don't have to think that hard about it. It's like the perfect game to just sort of play in a handheld mode while you're watching TV or like you're waiting for laundry to finish up or something like that. You know, it's very low impact uh, kind of action RPG. Um, I wish maybe it were a little deeper, but again, it's fun. It's funny. It's like a nice way to to kill time a few minutes at a time. Um, I guess we'll see if it threads together with the upcoming. Ayudan Chronicle 100 Heroes, I, I guess it remains to be seen. I hope um, they release Ayudan Chronicle 2, just out of nowhere. Yeah, don't explain <laughs> anything. Yes. Yeah, I, that would be ideal. I think it should be more like Ayudan Chronicle 1000 Heroes, or something. You just <laughs> yeah, yeah, add yeah, yeah. more and more and more heroes, but 100 Heroes never comes out. Yeah, like, well, no, because, well, I mean, Campbell, 100 Heroes was, you know, that game from the 90s that we all knew and loved. That's so, true, like, the PS1 uh, classic, yeah. The PS1 classic, uh, I hated Chronicle 100 Heroes. <laughs> uh, can't believe they're rebooting it for, uh, for, for 2023. Um, so, yeah, a very odd game is what I'll say. Um, it's not a bad game by any means. I've enjoyed the time I put into it. I think there are perhaps more, like, tactily satisfying games of its type. Um, if you if you like action RPGs, there's a million 2D 
action RPGs on the Switch, guys. There's, there's, so <laughs> there's a sea. <laughs> a literal sea. There's a sea of them. So I don't know if this one necessarily uh, rises to the top. Um, I think if, if that upcoming RPG ever does come out and it's amazing, then like, yeah, maybe go back and check this one out, see if there's any threads to connect. Uh, in the meantime, like I enjoyed the time I put it in. I don't know. I don't know if I would like highly recommend it, but, uh, hmm. you know, I'll give it a thumbs up. You know, if persona doesn't come to switch, you can consider this one. There you go. Yeah. If persona doesn't come to switch, <laughs> oh, no. uh, play, play a completely different game. Um, <laughs> I think that about does it. I, I wrote a little review on it for the for Goomba Stop. I, I, I feel like I'm the <laughs> reading, reading my review again. I feel like I kind of came on kind of hard to this game, but oh, no. I, I truly did. Like I had fun with it. I was just kind of like mystified at like what is this game trying to do, um, <laughs> but nice. I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, I guess that'll I guess that'll do it for our our show, uh, gentlemen. Unless there's any other fun indies we want to spotlight before we wrap this thing up for the night. Um, I guess we're gonna come back and talk about Neon White uh, uh, another time. Just to we're gonna we're gonna do the double decker indie sandwich in a week or two after I've played uh, Neon White and maybe Campbell has too, and we'll we'll talk about that again in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I've been your host Cameron Daxon. You can find me uh, some of my writing over on GoomaStomp.com, including a review of Iron and Chronicle Rising. Uh, as well as a interview with the developers of Silt Spiral Circus, uh, who are very uh, generous with their time and uh, great interview questions for to answer for uh, for us over on the website. So check that out. I'm over on Twitter at Action Daxon and Mark. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at the Markel. That of course is Mark the C. Cal the K. You can find all my writing over on GoombaStomp.com. Right now, I have two pieces up on Mario Strikers. I have a tips guide, and then of course, how to perform every perfect and advanced move in the game. And then I will also have my review up for Neon White by the time you're listening to this, and Mario Strikers Battle League. I cannot wait to uh, read read more of your thoughts. Um, uh, Campbell, what about yourself? Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at CampbellSkill, uppercase CSG, and you can find all my games writing over at GoombaStomp.com. My most recent article is a roundup of all 10 of the best announcements at the Guerrilla Collective 3.0 showcase, which was literally an incredible smorgasbord of over like 60 indies at once. It's wild. Wow. So go ahead and check that out for 10 of what I thought were the very best. I love that. Your roundups are always a, always a delight to read. Uh, thank you once again to our sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, and of course, you can use that code. Uh, you can use our uh, discount code STOMP, S-T-O-M-P, over at manscaped.com to get 20% off an order and free worldwide shipping. N-Express is also on social media. We are on Twitter at N-Express Nintendo and, of course, available to download, rate, review, all that good stuff over on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.